and welcome back to Music Free Static. I hope you're having a fabulous day, and it is a wonderful day to talk Secret Invasion. That's right, the the new Marvel show just finished up on Disney+. Plus. Okay, it was last week as you're listening to this, but still, we're going to dive into it. And this may be a little bit longer one. I've got a lot of notes, and heck, there were six episodes to talk about. So let's go ahead and dive in here. Um, first off, I have to tell you, I was a little bit prejudiced against this show, okay? Uh, primarily because I hate evil twin stories. Never liked them. And Secret Invasion is nothing if not an evil twin story. Well, the good news is, there wasn't a huge amount of actual evil twin, uh, problems, so... <laughs> That at least was was good. Uh, there was one, and I'm gonna tell you right now. I am talking full spoilers. The whole series is out on Disney Plus. It's been out for a week. By the time you listen to this, I am going full spoilers. So, if you don't want spoilers, uh, watch the show and then come back. I do have to say there are a couple of things, uh, just to sort of set the stage. Okay, Secret Invasion was was actually, was a pretty slow burn really, um, which wasn't bad, okay, it was, this is definitely a series that I think is going to be a, a better binge than it was a week-to-week -week uh, series, okay, and I think it was one of the most movie-like of the Disney Plus shows, but because it was a TV series, because it was longer, they really had time to linger on some of the character moments, which was a good thing, I think, because it was the character moments that were the best part of this show. There were a number of character relationships that I really, really liked that they really got to dive in and explore. The first was Nick, uh, Nick Fury's relationship with Vara, his wife. Um, that was a beautiful relationship, and... It was acted amazingly, and oh, it was so deep and so touching. If nothing else, <laughs> you could watch uh, Secret Invasion for that relationship, and you could truly feel how much they they loved each other. But the, their relationship was not without problems. I mean, you had the issues with the blip. Fury was blipped and Vara wasn't. Um, the fact that Fury is off all over the planet, or off-planet, as the case may be, trying to solve the world's problems or just stay out of them, which is another interesting aspect of Fury's life. But it was... That was beautiful. I love that. The other relationship I thought was really interesting was Talos and his relationship with his daughter Gaia. Now, it's strange. Gaia is working for the bad guys, right? She's working for Gravik, who is the, the big, big villain of this piece. And played, she's played beautifully by Amelia, Amelia Clark. So I, I want to see Amelia Clark do more in, in the MCU. Um, heck, I want to see her do more in Star Wars, but that's a whole separate discussion. But she is 
she's siding with Gravik because she's she agrees with the basic premise. Now, the idea here is that the scrolls they've been on Earth since the 90s. This is covered in the movie Captain Marvel. And they are looking for a home. Nick Fury promised to find them a home. And couldn't. They could not find a suitable planet. Um, Fury doesn't tell them that. He just sort of lets them sort of linger. Well, eventually what happens is pretty much the entire scroll race, or what's left of it, ends up on Earth. And a whole race of shapeshifters is fun, I suppose. Gaia's issue, and, and Gravik's stated issue, is that they want a home where they could be themselves, where they don't have to disguise themselves as humans. They could just be their green, pointy-eared selves, right? And Gaia believes this, and she believes it hard, and she never stops believing that, even, even when she turns, right? So she, Talos is like, no, we're just going to blend in. We're going to be peaceful. We're done with war. And Gaia's like, no, I want a home in my own skin. And Gravik is the way to go here. Right up until Gravik gets super violence and uh, starts, basically has decided to conquer the world and just exterminate the human race and take over the planet for the scrolls. Okay, cool. And Gaia believes in the first part of that mission a home. She doesn't agree with the methods. So even when she goes back to Talos and she knows Gravik is wrong, but so is Talos in her view. And so she doesn't, There's a, this is one of those times where there's a great amount of nuance because often you'll get the, the kids on the wrong side and turns and believes what the parent believed wholeheartedly. No, she doesn't do that. She flips to oppose Gravik and his methods, but she still believes what she believes. And that was, I think, a great bit of nuance and made for that relationship very interesting. Right up until Talos dies and nobody says anything about him again. <laughs> I mean, or barely does, anyway. So that was, that was a really... Really, the best part of Secret Invasion were those relationships. Even the relationship between Talos and Nick Fury was really interesting. I mean, Talos is fed up because Fury kind of failed, which is what's led to Gravik and this whole and the whole problem to be, begin with. But they're still really, really good friends. And so, again, those the relationships are what make Secret Invasion. A fun show. It's just the rest of the show that's a problem. Now, <laughs> what's fun is this is a show about Nick Fury creating a or trying to fix a problem that he created. Okay. So he promised to find the scrolls a home and he didn't. Captain Marvel promised to find them a home and didn't. Now to give Fury a little bit of slack here, humanity is not a spacefaring race. So the idea that they 
that humanity is going to be able to find a new planet for the scrolls to live on is sort of laughable to begin with. But Captain Marvel can travel space, and she didn't find them a home. So I'm, I'll give Fury a little bit of a pass on that. Other than he just kept playing the scrolls, it's like, well, I can't find you a home, but I'll let you be my little spy puppets. Yeah, that that was a little weird. The other thing that was weird, and again, Fury is causing his own problems here, was what after what they called the Battle for Earth, which was Avengers Endgame, Fury sent a group of scrolls disguised as cleanup agents to collect samples of spilled blood from all of the Avengers. And a few others that apparently they didn't you didn't see there, like Ghost from Ant-Man 2. What was Fury playing at? Right, what was his goal? Why did he collect it in the first place? They never answered that question. They do answer why Gravik wants it. He apparently has a machine that allows scrolls to integrate the DNA of any creature into their bodies and gain those powers. And they basically, they become super scrolls, right? And that sounds cheesy, but that was the, the phrase they used in the comics, apparently in this, the comic run of the same name. It's a little weird how they use it, but it, it's cool, so we'll go with it. All right, they, if they want to punch somebody like Hulk, their arm becomes Hulk's arm, and they hit somebody. There are a bunch of issues, a bunch of things I'm not thrilled with, okay? The show had a slow pace, and I kind of wonder if it might have benefited plot-wise from being a movie. The problem was is if it was a movie, you'd probably lose most of the, the character stuff, which was, again, the best part of this show. There are some, some weird things, okay? So, first off, you had the, the couple of deaths, like Talos and Maria Hill, and you kind of wonder... Do the deaths actually matter? Right? Now, it doesn't help that they killed Gaia and brought her back. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, that death was... Uh, I guess it didn't... wasn't real, so it doesn't matter, right? Uh, I did like the fact that they pulled in... Um, was the Extremis? The Extremis um, stuff from Iron Man 3. That was kind of cool. There's always the question of whether or not Gravik and... Later, Gaia will just spontaneously explode, but eh, they're scrolls. Maybe it doesn't work that way on them. Uh, let's see, other fun stuff. So, Colonel Rhodes, War Machine. Yeah, he's a scroll. Sorry, spoiled it for you. <laughs> I told you, spoilers are going to happen. Rhodey's a scroll. Has been for a while. And we don't know how long. Um, also, also, scroll was... Um, Ah, oh, I forgot the dude's name. Everett Ross. You find out he's a scroll at the very beginning. And it's like, all right, well, how long have they both been scrolls? Well, to be fair, we don't really care about Ross. We care about Rhodey. Ryman Ross is a fun character. I, I've liked him in the Black Panther movies, but really, it's uh, 
Rhodey that's the, the big deal because he's been fun. He's, he is an Avenger, right? And the only one we ever see, except for Nick Fury, I suppose, uh, because, probably for budget reasons, but, you know, whatever. They never answer the question, how long has Rhodey been a scroll? When he's rescued from the uh, pods that they've been held in, he's in what looks like a hospital gown and can't walk. There are, I've had a couple of thoughts on this. The easy answer is that he was taken from the hospital um, after Civil War. Okay, so remember in, in Civil War, he got hit by... Um, she got shot by somebody, Vision, I think. And it was an accident. It was friendly fire. But he went down, he crashed, and it did bad things to his spine. And you end up with him learning to walk again while Stan Lee delivers a package for uh, Tony Stank. Okay? <laughs> so, so that's the easy answer. There are some things I don't like about that answer. Because... He's got some touching moments in the whole Infinity Saga, but especially Endgame with uh, with Tony's death and all that fun stuff, right? Now, here's the deal. He's in a hospital gown. He could have been in a hospital many times since then. He could have been in a hospital after Civil War. We actually don't know how well healed his legs are. Since it wasn't Doctor Strange that fixed him, we, we just don't know. I think they showed him in um, the the Infinity War movies wearing leg braces to help him walk. Well, he didn't have those braces on. So it's very possible that it could have been post-Endgame and he got, uh, same thing, he got taken while at a hospital and then the scroll took his leg braces. So... He still can't walk without them. So, you know, there's there's still any still a range there. And I saw some comments that was like, hey, we could have trimmed some of this other stuff to have shown Rhodey becoming uh, getting taken and being replaced by a scroll. Which I think would would have been a good good answer to give us as a, as viewers. So I, I don't know. I I don't know. I said that I don't like the taken right after Civil War answer, but I will, but, you know, it could be whatever. And they'll probably, if it is, of course, that means he was a scroll through the entire Infinity War. So, who knows? Oh, let's, let's talk the final fight. So, you, inevitably, there's going to be an epic showdown with Gravik, Super Scroll, who has already, he's already given himself Groot powers, he's given himself a couple of others, and he uses the Groot powers to kill lots of people, okay? Because he is the bad guy. Right. Wonderful. So, at the end of the, the series, Fury shows up, shoots his way through, it's in a nuclear power plant, so, or that's been shut down, so the radiation is killing him. He shows up, gives Gravik the the harvest, they call it. The, all, the DNA of 
all of the supers in the world, apparently. And he fires up the machine to give himself those powers. Fury's in the machine. Oh, and then you find out it's not actually Fury, it's Gaia. That means she also gets all of the powers of, of everybody. So you get it, this fairly typical MCU CGI fight that's everybody, right? They're, they're punching each other with various flavors of super strength people, whether it's Hulk or Korg or um, one of Thanos' brawler kids. Gaia whips out the Mantis powers and puts him to sleep. You know, all sorts of fun stuff, right? It was a fight. I don't know if I've just seen enough super-powered CGI fights that I just don't care anymore. Or if it was it was inevitable, and obviously Gravik's going to lose, so... Huh? I don't know. I don't know at all. So, but it was, it was fine. You know, it was, it was interesting seeing, seeing them whip out all of the different powers, including, including the, uh, Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel type stuff, which was, or Captain Marvel stuff. Okay. And they dropped the, her name a lot. Probably, probably because there is a movie starring Captain Marvel here coming out in October, I think. The Marvels, which I'm very excited about, by the way. <laughs> so, so that was fun. Let's talk a little bit about the President. So, they've got the President of the United States. And he's your typical grumpy President. He's going to fit in well when uh, replaced by Harrison Ford. It'll be just like he never left. <laughs> so he gets attacked with a, a failed assassination attempt the the idea is Gravik is trying to get the United States and Russia to go to war because the scrolls are immune to radiation so as long as they don't get nuked they can live on the planet just fine yeah the rest of the biosphere yeah that's a whole different story but <laughs> they're hoping that it will um, help spawn the genocide that, that Gravik wants to then make Earth a home for the Skrulls. Okay, so he, he's... Rhodey is his chief advisor, and of course, being a Skrull, working for Gravik, uh, that becomes problematic. All right. So, here is the, the issue. The plan is for the U.S. to launch first. So, and, and actually there was sort of a weird, I have to, I'm going to have to watch the show again because I don't, I, I freely admit I might have missed something. Gravik had told Rhodey to tell the president that the assassination attempt was actually carried out by scrolls. Okay, Cool. But then you get the start of the last episode and Rhodes is telling him, oh, it was all, all the Russians and we need to nuke the Russians. I, I'm not sure if something got missed in rewrites or what the deal is, but you end up with your, your almost expected fight argument, really. It's the 
who do you trust argument, right? You've got the president. You've got Skrull Rhodey trying to tell him to nuke the Russians. You've got Nick Fury telling him to not nuke the Russians. And it's like, who do you trust? Because Fury's been sort of lab labeled an outlaw throughout most of this uh, series. But the reason they're able to have the argument is Sonia Fallsworth, who's working for the UK, has a, has multiple guns on uh, on Rhodey, and she just stands there. Now, my problem with this is that the character of Sonia Fallsworth has been so amazing in this show. I, I should have mentioned her earlier, um, but it, it's not her relationship with others that was awesome. She's just this very cheerful, no-nonsense, I'm going to do what I need to to uh, solve my problems here. It was actually, she was a fun character. She, There's a scene, she walks into a butcher shop where they're interrogating a scroll that's been captured. Uh, still in human form, insisting that he's American because it had, the, the plan is that it was Americans that knew, or that bombed this Russian square in Moscow or something. So she walks in, she grabs a pair of um, meat shears as she walks in, because, you know, butcher shop. And, okay, she's there. She's very, you know, hi, how are you doing? Very pleasant, very sweet. And almost immediately grabs his hand, cuts off a finger, which immediately then reverts back to being a scroll finger. Yeah, right, this is the type of person we're dealing with. And you see her, she shows up a couple of times, scroll hunting. And is not afraid to lay down her version of the law. Right? She walks into the office of her boss, who's like, what, what are you doing? Why are you here? What's going on? Um, security eventually starts coming in. And she just sighs and shoots her boss in the thigh. And he bleeds purple. Oh, look, he's a scroll. Wonderful. Fun, very fun character. I would have liked to have seen more of her, I think. And I hope we do. Especially since Gaia ends up working for her. So that could be fun. Well, so here it is. Here's the argument about who do you trust, who do you not trust. And Sonya is right there with two guns on Rhodey. One at his head, one at his side. While they have this long, dragged-out argument of who do you trust. It's like, Sonya is one of those people who I think would solve this problem in about half a second if she just shot Rhodey. Right? Not necessarily killed him. Okay, scroll Rhodey. Remember, Rhodey in quotes. He's not the actual Rhodey we all know and love. But she could have... She could have given him a non-fatal wound, just like she did with her boss at MI6 or whatever. And, oh, look, see, he's a scroll. Conversation over. Stop the, the nukes. Now, we eventually get that, but only when uh, Rhodey decides to, he's had enough of this, attacks Sonya to grab a gun, and eventually Fury puts a bullet in him. I kind of felt like that didn't go to character for Sonya. All of that said, let's, let's, let me give you sort of the, 
my, my final summary is I've been going long and I kind of expected to. I did like the show. It's definitely a, a show that's it's, it's a great character story with a Marvel action movie spliced into it. I'm kind of left wondering if it even matters. And, you know, let, let's come back to that here in a minute. Um, but it was it was a good show. I think it might have been a better movie, but again, I liked the relationships that the that we were able to explore because we had the time to do it. Okay, so that was cool. Um, it started like the show was going to have the feel of a political thriller. Okay, a lot of people, I remember reading online, especially after the first episode or two, sort of likened it to the Jason Bourne movies, at least in, um, at least in sort of the, the premise. I've seen a number of these political thrillers where it's never quite know who you can trust. And not because they're evil twins, you just, the people you should be able to trust, you can't. And the people you can trust are those you shouldn't be able to, right? It's like in, um, oh, any number of ones. Minority Report, I remember being one. It's like, He's on the run from the government, the police, the people he's he's known and worked with. He's having to trust the criminals that he's been put, arresting. I'm expecting that sort of story. It kind of shows up, but then never really, you never really get it. You never really get that tension. Um, you never really get that tension overall, which I think is a little bit of a failure on this. I've heard people complaining about, hey, we ended multiple episodes on a on a dramatic death and nothing came of it. Well, I don't know if it actually matters or not. Okay? I'm not a I'm not here to break down story structure and and all of the, the film critic stuff. It was it was fun though. But it was never really a show that I came out of saying, hey, let's talk about this. And this is one of the reasons I didn't talk about this show week by week. I'll probably do that with Ahsoka. But this was a show, I said, that really benefits from a binge. Because it is, I think, the most movie-like of everything that they've done so far on Disney+. But that brings me back to the point I had paused a moment ago was, does the show even matter? And this is a problem they've had, sort of an ongoing problem with Disney Plus, or the shows that are on Disney Plus, it's, do they matter? From a movie perspective, there's the question of, do you need to have seen the Disney Plus shows to actually understand what's going on in the movies? Because the movies, in theory, are the, the bread and butter of the MCU. In th with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Wanda is the villain. She's trying to get her family back that she had during WandaVision. Okay, I hated what they did to the character, and I probably could do a whole um, really late movie review on Doctor Strange, but WandaVision ended in such a, a place with Wanda accepting the grief of, of having lost all of these people that she loved, but especially the Vision. That, so that kind of mattered. But Moon Knight, we've never seen again. <laughs> I'm not sure they know where to put Moon Knight. 
he'd probably fall in with Blade and, and that side of the MCU if it ever gets started. Hawkeye. Now, Hawkeye, I think, really set up having our, our new Hawkeye be the Hawkeye going forward in the MCU for the sort of a young Avengers thing, right? They've been sort of setting up that go- ongoing in some of these other shows and some of these other movies. She-Hulk. Maybe we'll see her or get a reference to her in uh, the new Daredevil show. But in the movies, they've said She-Hulk will show up in the movies. Will she really? We don't know yet. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay, we knew at the end of Endgame that Falcon's got the shield. Captain America, old Captain America shows up and gives him the shield. So in Captain America 4, which is starting up, you've got him as Captain America with the shield and a new costume. Oh, does it matter where he got the costume? No, nobody cares. Oh, he just has a new costume. Cool. But there's a very deep and disturbing story throughout Falcon and Winter Soldier. A good story, but a hard one to watch because of some of the the depths that it dives into uh, in things like racism and, and that type of thing. Does it actually do anything that matters in the MCU as far on the movie side? I'm not sure that it does. And I kind of feel like we're sort of in the same place with Secret Invasion. We know Fury has been sitting around in a space station working on S.W.O.R.D. from uh, the end of one of the movies. Fury's up there, you know, on a sort of on a beach set. It's like, all right, back to work. And he's back in the space station. So this deep dive into Fury's backstory and him cleaning up this mess with the scrolls said it was a good story. I think there was some good stuff here. I just don't know how much they're actually going to reference it at all or how much it's going to affect the MCU on the movie side. I kind of expect his wife to show up. But beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm I was hoping there was going to be some more implications for the movies from the Disney Plus shows, and I'm just not sure that there is. So this didn't change any of that. And maybe that's the idea. Maybe these are just really good side stories that, sure, you get this ba- some backstory and some depth if you want it. Um, Kate Bishop, right here from Hawkeye, that's the name I forgot. How did she show up? Why is she Hawkeye? Why is she hanging out with, with Clint Barton? How does she know Clint Barton, right? Okay, you can go back to the show and watch it, but it doesn't matter for the movies. Okay, it's kind of the same way with um, Star Wars in some ways. Sure, the the books give you some great backstory, but they don't obviously mean anything for the movies. And a lot of the TV shows, like the, the Clone Wars and Rebels, they give you some great backstory. You didn't necessarily need to watch them to appreciate The Mandalorian right here, because you could watch Bo-Katan's whole story through Clone Wars and Rebels, but you don't really need to know it to understand what's going on in the most recent 
season of The Mandalorian. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, actually, no. I know I don't like how, I don't want to say quite irrelevant, but that's kind of the feel that these shows have had on the MCU. So, to sum up, I liked this show. I liked Secret Invasion. It's definitely worth watching. I'm not entirely sure I will rewatch it, but, you know, it's six episodes. Most of them, I mean, they're all less than an hour. Most of them, especially at the end, are like half an hour. So, it's definitely worth spending a little time with, and I don't think it did any harm to any characters like uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier did to the character of Sharon Carter. So... Take a look, form your own opinion. Let me know what you thought. Drop a comment on, on YouTube. Join my Discord. We can talk about movies and stuff all day. Uh, it's great. So that's my take on Marvel Secret Invasion. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, check it out. And until next time, be excellent to each other. And this is Music Free Static signing off.